Design Inside is brought to you by Explain, a design consultancy focused on using the power of design to activate strategy, culture, and process in organizations since 1993. Hi, this is Dave Gray, your host for Design Inside, where we explore how design is changing the face, function, and futures of organizations by interviewing the people at the heart of the change. Today, my guest is Lou Rosenfeld. Lou is the founder of Rosenfeld Media. He publishes books, including my book, Liminal Thinking. He produces three conferences a year, and you may know him as the co-author of the famous Polar Bear book, Information Architecture for the Web and Beyond. Welcome, Lou. Hey, Dave. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to see you. Um, So I think I'll just go uh, right to the jugular here and start with the word design. You know, design has kind of uh, come to the forefront of a lot of conversations, and uh, companies are thinking more and more about design these days. But design is a word that still means a lot of things to a lot of different people. So maybe we could start with the sense of, you know, when, when I say the word design, what, what, does that, how, what does that mean to you? What does that conjure for you? How, how do you think about that, that word design? So, you know, there's a lot of words that make me uneasy because <laughs> they, they start off having some value and then they very, very quickly lose that value. So I actually uh, wrote an article recently about um, how definitions and, and metaphors do just that. And design is, is a word that's really broad and it means a lot of things to a lot of people, but it hasn't pinned us down like terms, for example, like information architecture have pinned us down or interaction design or many other terms. So um, it's okay. It's, it's sort of broad enough to be really supple in many people's hands. But um, at some point, I think we're going to move away from the word design because it's just going to be meaningless. It becomes a crutch. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you get terms that have been around for long enough that everyone sort of adopts them with, uh, you know, without really thinking about them, they mask true critical thinking. And, you know, like, like, let's take information architecture. How many times did I, when I was still consulting in that space and was associated with, with the founding of it, I, I wouldn't use it in con- client engagements because they would talk about the information architecture mm. when that, that was like, well, wh- what do you mean? You're not really getting at the problem you're trying to solve. You're masking it with this crutch word. I think design is going to get there, but not yet. I'm okay with it. Is my long? That's my short version uh, answer to your question. But just for now. So it sounds like you're you're kind of saying that what you're interested in is problem solving, and yeah. whatever the whatever the term might be. And just, if we're going to frame this conversation about design, then maybe we should talk about it in terms of problem solving. Right. So like you know, design thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. What the hell? You know, what is it? What do we? You know, it, 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 it was useful for a little bit of time. I think it's long uh, outlived its usefulness. So what's the problem space behind that? It's probably different depending on where you are. And it's okay to, to start looking at design as a, a sort of variety of problem solving. But I, I don't know if that does justice to, to design itself. Well, what I'm interested in talking to you about is what's changing inside of organizations in terms of how they solve the problems and how... Um, uh, let's say a design-oriented approach, whatever you want to call that, is changing the way organizations think, solve their problems, approach uh, their business. And uh, you're having published a ton of books and having, you know, running conferences that are, you know, kind of seen as 
very leading edge in the user experience design uh, space um, and business as well, business design. I'm interested in your thoughts on, you know, what do you think is uh, happening and what do you think business people should be thinking about? Well, I think, you know, a lot of what we've seen in, in, in certainly the last couple of decades where technology has really driven both, you know, product conceptualization and design and, uh, and the ways we get products to market. Uh, we, we've been amazing at, at quantifying the value of our work and our products and, and making it, it more and more efficient to deliver them. And what we've done is we've commoditized much of what industry can create, not just industry, but uh, in terms of products, but in terms of services as well. And uh, when things become kind of universally commoditized, how do they stand out from competition? So if you're selling uh, financial services or insurance or whatever it might be, those things are complex, but they are being commoditized through like amazing leaps in efficiency. And all right, that's, that's great, but there's complexity that, uh, that, that still gets left out, that, that still hasn't really been addressed. There's value in terms of the customer experience that hasn't been addressed. And so that's where I think a lot of organizations are going now. They, they see that they need people with one variety of design background or perspective or another. And they're employing uh, those folks to help their, their commodity offerings start to stand apart. So it, it, it's, you know, we've had to go through the efficiency, I don't know, Taylorist approach first. And now we're, we're, we've kind of nailed a lot of that. And now we're trying to to add to that with kind of a more experiential thinking. And that's great. Yeah, okay. So I, I mean, that to me maps to, in business language, people talk about customer experience initiatives. And so that, to me, that sounds a lot like what you're talking about. Absolutely. Um, and they're part of the way there, right? I mean, like, you know, the, the future is here. It's done evenly distributed. So, um, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are really adopting this. There's a lot that are just sticking a, a toe in the water and framing these as initiatives rather than as the way they do business. And so, you know, yeah, an initiative is a good place maybe to start. It's sort of like an, an innovation center. Why, why isn't the whole organization innovative? Why isn't the whole organization uh, thinking about experience? They get to that point eventually or they go out of business. It's one or the other typically. And, and yeah, that's what we're seeing. I think it's pretty common now that uh, the successful organizations are the ones often um, defined by their ability to make innovation and good experience a way they do business, how they think about their businesses, and, and not just an add-on. So you've designed a business. You've designed your own business. You've worked in designing you know, other stuff for other people. Um, how did you get into – Did I mean – do you think of yourself as a designer? And if so, how, how did you, when did you start thinking of yourself in that, in that way? Gosh, you know, um, I, I can't say, I can't answer questions like this, at least not on Twitter, <laughs> or there'll be some flame war. I, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm a designer. You know, I know our friend Dave Maloof would probably disagree, but um, I, I, what I really worry about is the sort of pinning down this word design in a way that, starts to box us in and, and mess us up and create fights. I don't know. I mean, like, well, that's why I wanted to frame it in the, 
that's why I wanted to have that first question be about how you define design. So we're we're within the context of problem solving now. So, um, I, I guess for me personally, uh, I like to see the business I'm in as as a series of design challenges, and um, but I'm I guess I'm so steeped in the field that I don't really think of it as design. I just think of it as problem solving. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned a lot from what I've learned from actual quote designers, but I, I don't really care, I guess. I, I don't, I, I, I've kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm just old enough that I just don't care about what label I wear, you know? Well, tell us about, I mean, tell me a little bit about your path to getting here. I know you started out in library science, right? So that's a, that's a far cry. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I, I got into library science partly because I, you know, I was 23 years old and I didn't really want to wait tables and do daycare anymore. And uh, I realized I had to go back to school and I was interested in business back then. I come from a, an entrepreneurial family and I really wanted to create a apartment listings database business mm. for rental apartments. And before, like there's a lot of those businesses out there now, but there wasn't back then. And I thought, well, you know, I, if I study how book records are organized and managed and and tagged and all that sort of thing. That would probably help me with apartment listings. What's the difference? It's a huge difference, actually. <laughs> huge difference. Uh, you know, the one is semantic and one isn't. You know, that's that right there is pretty big. That said, uh, you know, I learned a lot about librarianship as a as a practice. I was not interested in li- libraries in the, in the sense of the place so much. And I think that's one of the reasons the librarianship has suffered so much is the people in the field think too much about how they're going to be a traditional librarian in a library. There's nothing wrong with that, but they're the broader principles of value beyond the contexts that where they've been traditionally practiced. And so, I mean, that's what I was like in the late 80s. I was like, oh, we're going to keep hearing about the information revolution. They're going to need people who know something about librarianship. And that's why I started Argus Associates uh, much with that in mind uh, to bring those consulting skills to, to projects as the web really started to blow up. And, and uh, you know, Peter and I wrote the, the Polar Bear book with that in mind. Uh, the idea was to bring librarianship to the masses of people that were struggling with information problems all of a sudden that they did not anticipate thanks to the web. And we also wanted to, like, you know, we had a chip on our shoulders. We wanted uh, the world to see how smart and important and valuable librarians were, but we also had a chip on the other shoulder, which is to show the librarians that they got to stop thinking just about libraries and see their own value in this broad new world, brave new world we were building. So that was my 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 early journey, and and um, I'm an outsider, I guess. I wasn't really an insider in the library world, and I wasn't really an insider in the web world in many respects, but that's okay. I think a lot of us, and I'm sure you're one of them, Dave, never really felt comfortable uh, in a traditional setting because uh, things were already figured out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure you wanted to figure new things out, and you did. Uh, and you're a great model for many of us. So I'm turning the interview around to you here. <laughs> my but look, I mean, it, you know, some of us like starting things in new unknown spaces, identifying what the problems are, and taking a, an early whack at solving some of those problems. That's you know, that's problem solving uh, of a variety, right? It's the problem solving where you have the part of the problem is identifying the problem, giving it a name, uh, creating a frame around it, 
uh, and that's really valuable. Now, usually a lot of those kind of people, and I'm one of them, we suck at getting into the nitty gritty of the problems. Like I, I, I can't do heavy duty IA. You wouldn't want to pay me to do that. That'd be a waste of your money. I can do it at a high level, but there are many more qualified people who, thanks partly to me, can kind of dig into that stuff. I help open the door, and then I got out of the way. I think that's how it works. You get the kind of broad strokes, figure out the problem first, like define it, and then you know, the people who really can solve it once the, that first bunch of people do their thing. And that's just the way it works. I mean, how many areas have you done that problem solving in? You know, uh, information visualization, and just so many other areas. So, well, you say uh, you you never felt like you're in this in the middle of anything, but you you seem to be kind of at the center of of uh, the world that you've created now in Rosenfeld Media. You you're creating community, you're hosting events, you're uh, you're you've got quite a, a stable of authors and and content and so forth. Um, so I would say now you you are you're kind of a, a center of a, you've kind of a, a, a hub for a lot of things that are going on in this world today. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, but you know, that, that, that may be perception, I guess for me, I, I could not function as the, the hub uh, if I really saw myself that way, because there would be too much pressure to know everyone and everything. Um, and so I take a different metaphor to, or I use a different metaphor um, to help me understand my role. Uh, it's pretty recent for me, but it's really been helpful, and that's band leader. Mm. Uh, you ever see the movie The Commitments? Oh, well, if, if I did, it's a long, long time ago. Uh, that movie, I, I got to see it again, but the, the, the story is of a guy who decides, he's like in, in Dublin, and he's going to pull together the best Irish R&B band that's ever been created. And he goes out and he starts finding people. And, you know, his whole thing is he puts them together. And they make incredible music for just like a short period of time. And then they all beat the crap out of each other and it breaks <laughs> up. That's He's not a musician. He's just got the vision for the band. He couldn't, you know, play piano. He couldn't pick up a horn. But he gets them playing together, and that's kind of like my role. I'm, I'm not an expert in design ops, but I work a lot in design ops. I'm not an expert in IA any longer, but somehow I work in that area, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, again, there's a lot of us who just have that um, role. It's not as deep expert, but it's as people who open the doors from the deep experts. Part of what you do in running conferences and writing books is anticipate what's the next thing people are going to need to be thinking about? What's the next thing people are going to need to be uh, worrying about, learning about? What, what, if you look forward in the next five, you know, 10 years, if maybe that's too far to look, but if you look forward, what do you see as the things that are, you know, coming on the horizon that people should be starting to think about maybe paying more attention to? Oh gosh. In terms of broad topics, um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think we're going to see a few areas really emerge. I think you're going to see customer experience take on a new kind of flavor um, that isn't just kind of the, uh, the uh, kind of repackaged form of, of, of marketing. Um, I, th I think that's going to an area that's going to get a little more intellectual heft. I think you might say the same thing about product management. 
Um, you know, we have some great conferences and, and books too, but we don't really have sort of a foundational body of knowledge there. And, and I think that's going to change. Um, it needs to. Uh, other areas, I think you can see more operationalization. Um, on one end of the spectrum, very practical end, um, you're starting to hear more about content operations, which I think is real exciting. But on the other end of the spectrum, something that's near and dear to my heart, which I would call insight operations. Insight, uh, not inside, but insight. Um, certainly been thinking about that for a long time. Uh, another area that um, I think is going to be very interesting is the liminal area, to use uh, uh, one of your favorite words, uh, where data science and more qualitative varieties of research meet. And to me, actually, that's the interesting stuff, is those, those seams between existing practices, those, those intersections. And I'm actually working right now to, to try to build that ability to identify those things at Rosenfeld Media. You know, you see this again and again, like, you know, usually some group of young Turks splits off and does interesting things like Alan Chochinov and, and the whole you know, Core, Core 77 crew from industrial design or, you know, the, UXP, the UPA people splitting off from, from CHI, uh, the information architects splitting off from ASUS, the um, interaction designers splitting off from the information architects. Uh, the epic community splitting off from anthropology. These are all like these interesting little groups of people that say, I'm ready to solve new problems, and I sense they're out there. I really find those people and those intersections, those seams, really fascinating. And uh, I'm personally a lot less interested in the mainstream stuff because there's just not that much new stuff going on, and I don't know how well mainstream practices can really keep up. I was having a great conversation with someone who's known as a, a market research person yesterday about how market research just seems to not have changed. It's just a bunch of folks who've been doing the same thing for decades. Mm. And, you know, I, I sense a cleaving about to happen there. So I, I think, you know, I have my, my ideas in terms of how to answer your question, but what I think is even more interesting is we're going to look for the answers. Now I'm going to be looking at those those seeds. Wherever fields are touching and they touch more and more, as we all are really trying to do the same thing ultimately, that's where it's fascinating. Mm. So in terms of, uh, you know, problem solving, do you, would you say you have an approach? I mean, you sort of just started to kind of describe that, but do you have an approach to, to that you, you know, go to and, you know, uh, some way that you think about solving problems that you find has been really successful for you that you find yourself going back to over and over? Yeah. Um, uh, I think everyone has a different uh, set of tools or techniques. For me, I, I have to have someone in the room, if you will, with me. It doesn't almost even matter who it is sometimes, as long as they're willing to kind of be encouraging. Hmm. And if I can articulate a problem with them, I can often come up with a, a pretty good idea, if not a solution. So, um, and I, I'll bet you some of this resonates with, with you knowing how you go about writing your books. But uh, one of the things that I, I, I find, for example, when I'm struggling with solving a problem through writing is 
uh, instead of writing in a in a Word document or a G doc, I just pop open a, an email window mm. because there's a certain well, it's like muscle memory that I'm having conversation with someone, even though there may not be anyone at the other end of the email. It just feels like I'm talking, and getting it out, mm. um, and that that's been like a really really helpful way for me to to work. I'm just emailing myself ultimately, but it's almost like interviewing yourself. Another um, technique I found really useful, um, I actually had to give a talk a month or two ago, and uh, I wanted to give a new talk, and I had like no time. I was in the middle of putting on the Design Ops Conference, and I, I just really shouldn't have even been thinking about a new talk, but I, I, I went there. Anyway, I was stuck committing to doing a new talk. And so I posted a question on LinkedIn. And the, the question was, if you had me come to speak to your conference, what would you like me to speak about? But I think I've seen you do something like this before. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of answers, to be honest. A lot of the answers weren't really that helpful. I mean, like people want me to talk about IA, which <laughs> I don't know if I have much to say about. But in the, the act of reading through was very dialogic for me. And it forced me to think through some ideas and I like I slept on it and I woke up the next morning I was so little time I was really busy but I couldn't help but sit down for two hours and the words just fell out of my fingers wow it really, I really and that doesn't I'm, writing is really hard for me but it just they just bloop, just came right out of my fingers uh, and I actually wrote the talk as an article that I you know I was 80 percent of the way there and then it was just tweaking and tuning from that point on. So there's like, I think maybe, you know, you're talking about problem solving and, and those are some basic techniques for me. I, I think what maybe, I don't know if you're talking about this, but maybe what I'm talking about is synthesis. It's mm -hmm. taking ideas that might present solutions when you put them together, but getting yourself to put them together. And I think synthesis is like, the holy grail for everyone involved in, in problem solving. You know, there's lots of stuff out there that may inform how you decide how to solve a problem, but putting it together, that's like really hard for your brain to do. It's just, you know, just, I don't know what part of the brain does synthesis. I don't know if we know anything about it as a cognitive process, but you know, that's, that's where, that's where insight comes from. That's where, that's where real big ideas come from. How do we get to synthesis? I don't know. Yeah. And I think part of it is putting it in, in such a way that it's consumable for other people or useful for other people. Right. Exactly. So, so it makes sense to me. It, it makes sense to me that conversation or dialogue is a, is a good method for you because, you know, you're, you're, while you're thinking, you're, you're sort of testing how it works on other people and getting a sense of how, People. Oh, that's helpful. I can see your face now. <laughs> so, um, how about how about surprises? Is there anything in the last uh, year or two that has really surprised you? That's that's come up as kind of uh, important or you know something unusual or. Well, um, you know, there's a, one of the big trends. It's not a surprise. Um, is that, you know, a lot of people are paying more attention to the issues of diversity and inclusion. Um, I think mostly in a positive way. I think, I think our community has been pretty, um, for the most part, 
at least people who run conferences and do other kind of community leadership have been pretty quick to understand the value of diversity and inclusion. Um, I, I think for, well, you know, for me personally, it was a concept that I always believed in morally, um, but it didn't really click with me until much later that product development products are, are, is better when multi, a multitude of perspectives that's more representative of the user's customers is represented. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I think people are, are having both like the realization that it's moral and it's the right thing to do, but also that it's, it means better product development and therefore better business. Uh, that's been a, a, a happy thing for me to see. Um, I hope other people feel it's as pervasive as I think it is, but you know, I'm, regardless of how far along it is, there's a long, long way to go. Other surprises? Um, uh, you know, not really. I mean, uh, what, what's What's surprising in a way is that there aren't that many surprises. I, I think we're, we're on a pretty predictable trajectory in our industry. Um, I think we're going to see maybe more attention paid to systems. And you're, someone has certainly been talking about that for a while, that we, we um, are like moving you know, to ever broader environments or ecosystems that we have to consider in the work we do. Um, but that's not surprising. I think that's pretty predictable. Maybe we're going to start seeing in North America more acceptance of service design, or maybe we'll rebrand it as systems design. I don't know. But um, whatever you call it, it's it's going to happen here, if it, and it already is. If you, uh, when you, or if you sit down with a CEO of a business, large or small, and uh, let's say they're they're not really someone who's thinking about design or not necessarily design minded, but curious, um, what, what kind of things do you think they need to know about? What would you say to them? I mean, I know you oh, already mentioned customer experience. Pardon? This is easy. Um, any CEO worth their salt who gives a crap, who's willing to, to walk the walk, they should spend an hour, at least a month, maybe a week doing customer service. Hmm. I mean, not just from the perspective of understanding the experience that customers are having with their products and services, but it's a great way to understand how their, their organizations are organized and maybe how they should be organized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why your chart as, as constituted may be actually creating more hassles than it's worth. So um, a CEO and anyone in a leadership role absolutely has to have their finger on the heartbeat of customer service. And if they don't, you know, I really, I, I just question why they're even in the business. I mean, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, do you have a favorite project right now? Something that you can talk about? Yeah. Well, you know, so just two things I'm working on that I'm really excited about. Um, there's a lot of things I'm working on, but the two things that really get me up in the morning and get me excited is uh, I'm working on a, on a curation model. Um, how, how you can scale curation is really the holy grail for Rosenfeld Media. Uh, how we can start addressing more and more areas and live at the seams, as I was talking about earlier. 
uh, and um, can we create a model that is scalable and repeatable uh, that extends to new areas? And one thing I'm working on, actually I'll call later today on this, is um, a scout model. So can we find uh, and basically put on staff and one not full timers, but uh, in, in a sense, people who are, are scouts or ambassadors to other areas, whether it's other underrepresented communities or other areas of practice, how, how can we learn, let's say, about customer experience? And is there someone from that world that can help us? And can they help us understand how to reach people in customer experience, understand their needs, but also understand who's there and um, who we should know? Because you know what? We have a lot of opportunities for people to write and present and do other things. And so we want to start, in a way, almost uh, uh, accelerating the constant mix of, of all these different fields that we're all involved in. And I think having a network of scouts that we meet with on a regular basis who are out there with their finger on the, 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 the heartbeats of their various communities and areas is going to be really helpful, not just for them and for us to understand, but for us to kind of bring people with new ideas into our, our whole conference and book publishing operation. Related to that, the other project is looking at new ways to take all the ideas that people give us as part of book proposals, conference proposals, and so forth, and make them something that's reusable. In other words, if, um, if you are writing your next book for Rosenfeld Media Day, you really need someone who has thought deeply about uh, lean user research in healthcare. It would be really great if we could search our database and surface someone who pitched a, a conference talk on that three years ago mm. and make a connection. Um, it would be really great for our authors, for our conference programmers and curators. Uh, we could learn a lot about trends um, from all the ideas that are submitted. We get hundreds of ideas a year, and it's great, but we're not really... Uh, making them uh, as or we're not really using them in the way they really could be used and so uh, if you put together these scouts uh, to help our curators and this this content that we already have in a way that's more usable to help our curators I think we are a long way headed off in the direction of, of truly scaling curation and that's that's what I'm really excited about yeah that sounds is, is that go under the umbrella of what you're calling inside ops it does actually. It's funny, you know. You you mentioned that because I had that realization not long ago that we're actually talking about doing something I've been preaching for about ten years to you know to other people. Uh, you know, the cobbler's children, or uh, if they get to shoes, it takes a really long time. But yeah, I think it is. So inside ops maybe is you know the next generation of that market research kind of stuff. Yeah. Would you? Yeah, and I mean, really, like, we're already, I mean, you want to give incentives to people to share ideas, and that maybe it's not just through pitching conference talks and, and, and book ideas. There's other ways to do it as well. We're, we're starting to have our various, we run three communities right now, and they have curators, and we're having them uh, uh, become advice columnists. So if you have a tough question that's say in design operations, we have someone who can answer, getting those ideas. 
what are the, I mean, a question is an idea, just like a proposal is an idea. And uh, so amassing these different ideas is really, you know, really fascinating. And uh, yeah, so cool. That, yeah. So do you, are there any um, companies, people, products or services that are really inspiring to you right now that you look out there and you think, wow, they're, they're really doing a lot of great stuff. Anything in particular stand out? So many. There's so many. Uh, certainly, like the people I work with who are curating, writing books, speaking at conferences. That they're all just amazing people, um, and you know they're all in their own way defining the field. Anyone who writes or presents is doing that, or certainly puts together a, a conference program or an editorial agenda. That's all. Those are all forms of definition. Um, and, what about uh, companies? Companies, um, you know, um, that's a tough one because I usually know of people at companies. Uh, as far as specific companies that really get me excited, uh, it's it's the sort of thing I'd have to give some thought to, not at the tip of my tongue, but it very well could be that by the time we wrap up the podcast, I might come up with some answers. Okay, fair enough. Um, this is kind of an open question, but uh, what are you most proud of? Um, I'm most proud of uh, per the persistence I've had mm. in my work. Um, I feel like, um, although if you look at my career, it looks like I've done a lot of different things. They're all really the same thing. And all I've been doing is for 20, 25 years, trying to do a form of band leadership in our field and uh, specifically around creating content. And I feel now that I've stuck at it long enough that a lot of the pieces are starting to come together and there's, there's starting to be a business model to support them. And, um, you know, uh, I'm just really grateful that um, I can make a living doing this and that um, I've been around long enough to know a lot of people without hopefully making a lot of it. So, oh, I think uh, you're very loved and very admired, actually. But I mean, really, there's like a, this issue of persistence. I feel like is just not, you know, people don't don't understand it. Maybe partly because some of them are still very new and they haven't had an opportunity to be in the field long enough to see the value of persistence. And then I think a lot of us who feel that way or or could feel that way are getting beaten up by ageism and, and uh, you know, becoming too expensive for our jobs and, and so forth. And I just think, you know, I mean, experience is great, but sticking with your belief in the value of your experience is, is even greater. And that kind of persistence is hard, but man, uh, you know, but just staying with something and being and showing up every day there, that's half the battle. I know people say that all the time. That really is half the battle. Well, that's uh, that's a good thing to be proud of. I think um, so. You mentioned this conversation thing, or you you try and you like to have a dialogical kind of approach to your work and problem solving. Do you have any favorite other than that? Do you have any favorite um, frameworks or tools or, or methods? People love you know people love tools. Uh, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot when it comes to tools. <laughs> I keep needing to, to learn how to use them. And I know there's great tools like, you know, I look at Mural and uh, I, I look at some of the communications tools. We, we were actually really jumping on Basecamp quite a bit as a, as a company these days. Um, 
I don't necessarily mean even software tools. It could be, a, a, let's say, an activity or an exercise that you find especially useful or something that you do with sticky notes or um, even, well, the, okay. even so, the emailing your emailing yourself is a great example of a... It's definitely writing and it's definitely digital. Sometimes I, I do sketches and, and then I feel like no matter what I do, it, I just don't have the, the, the visual literacy to, to, to do what I feel like I should be doing. Even though I've hung out with people like you and, and Dan Rome enough to know that I'm, I'm being silly. Um, uh, so I wish I could sketch better. Um, you know what's really, I, I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, uh, get your ego uh, uh, overloaded or anything, Dave. But you know, there's some really great tools in game storming, in your book game storming that I've used in the past. Things like the the pre mortem uh, or the something I use with authors all the time. I have potential authors. I just had a conversation today with one. Split the dollar exercise. Mm. Uh, you know, the design the box exercise as well. I had an author send me a proposal for a book pre-proposal like a short one as an amazon uh page like the book in amazon oh cool yeah i mean like stuff like that so i'm often giving people those suggestions and, and sometimes they run with it way beyond what i imagined was possible so that's really cool that's yeah, a great um, idea it, it is i mean we, we do the, the design the box uh recommendation but that's going way beyond that i think design the box i learned about it either from you or maybe chess mcmullen or both of you but uh that's a game storming right mm-hmm believe so um career advice so there's a lot of people entering the the world of user experience and design there's people who are mid-career looking to advance their careers what kind of advice do you have for people who are uh let's say maybe earlier mid-stage career to what they should be thinking about in terms of advancing their careers well you know there's always a, a tendency for the skills we learn, especially in our uh, whatever our educational programs are, for those skills to become commodified, and you know it's really easy to become known as the Figma person in your company, and, and that's well and good until Figma no longer needs you to operate it very much or to gets replaced. Um, meanwhile, there's no shortage of demand for people who have what we call, unfortunately, soft skills. You know, listening and empathizing and and negotiating and leading. Those are things that um, we don't really learn how to do, and it's almost like you have to go through the school of hard knocks to, to get those skills. So um, I encourage people to look beyond the sort of core that areas that they, um, they might have got academic training in. Um, I think the model of the T-shaped person is really a, a good one to have in the back of your mind that it's not enough to become uh, really specialized in a single area, that deep, you know, vertical uh, part of the T, that there's also the sort of broader, shallower set of uh, skills and understanding that you need to be uh, keeping in mind. Finally, I, I, I think you might think of yourself as um, a Rosetta Stone. And by that, I mean, if you're working in any area where big things are happening, it takes lots of different kinds of brains. And perspectives and often the way to get them to talk to each other and work together is through common language so to use a term i learned from you uh 
to, to, to identify the boundary objects at the seams of those fields uh, and um, to think about how you can help not only yourself understand people that you don't necessarily, uh, you didn't work with, like if you're a designer and you're trying to understand the developers, let's say, great, but take it one step further. Be the person who can translate enough among everyone. And that is an unbelievable skill uh, to have, and that's going to make you increasingly important over time. And I think actually that's a potentially a very good path to prod product management, product ownership. And if you do that, of course, you know, you're set for life. Kind of. Uh, what else, anything else you'd like to talk about? Or what, what haven't I asked you about that you think would be important? For oh, God, Dave, you've, you've given me the luxury of yammering on for, for all this time. And, and uh, I'm sure we could find things, but uh, go easy on your, on your listeners, man. Let, let's wrap it here. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Lou. This has been awesome. Really wonderful. I really appreciate your time today. And uh, if people want to uh, get in touch with you, they have a proposal or a proposal, they have an idea, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, you know, there's all kinds of ways to pitch ideas uh, on the rosenfeldmedia.com site, as well as our conference sites, which are obviously linked from rosenfeldmedia.com. And, and you can find me, uh, I hang out a lot in LinkedIn and, and Twitter, where I am, uh, my handle is Lewis Rosenfeld. L-O-U-I-S-R-O-S-E-N-F, as in Frank, E-L-D. Awesome. Well, thanks, Lou. Uh, really appreciate your time today. So much fun, Dave. Thanks so much. Design Inside is brought to you by Explain, a design consultancy focused on using the power of design to activate strategy, culture, and process in organizations since 1993.